Hello there, this is Guru talking to you about Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain how. First off, it is absolutely free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more providers. You can also make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hello there, this is Guru talking to you about anchor.fm. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First off, it's completely free. Second, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast as well with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Ballistic Podcast, live from San Jose, California. I am your host, your co-host, sorry, Guru Ramprakash, and along with me from Skype in Monterey, as usual, is my good friend and co-host Vikram Kanth. Vikram, it's been two weeks since you've done an episode, and I can't wait to talk about the NBA Finals with you. Dude, this is awesome. The NBA Finals have uh, lived up to their uh, to their reputation, except for injuries. <laughs> I mean, you you are you're definitely right on the money on that. It's nice to see uh, the NBA Finals happening in another city other than Cleveland. You know, like you know, Toronto. Congratulations, Toronto, but to Toronto, by the way, first time in the NBA Finals in their franchise's history. It's a great story for them. Uh, and their raucous fan base is something that has been uh, a long-standing tradition there for uh, about five years, you know. And uh, it's great to see uh, ha- it's great to see that they're happy about something over there. So congratulations to them, and uh, they get to play in the NBA Finals. And games one and two have already been played. So uh, Vikram, what are your first impressions? Uh, okay, okay, let's just start. With, let's just go game by game because I guess each well, game had its own had its own story. But okay. I guess I you think want to talk about your general general thoughts. So overarching story that we got to cover is injuries re- are really hampering the Warriors. I don't think this this series would be particularly close if the Warriors were at full strength, to be honest. But actually, it's a really good matchup because of the fact they're not at full strength. Yeah, it's, it's that it's, makes it, sense. Yeah, it's it's weird in a way because like with K like let's just say uh, KD and DeMarcus Cousins were healthy throughout the playoffs and they were able to build chemistry with each, with each other and uh, they were winning all these games uh and they had a full rotation then you could never see the Raptors being able to compete with that sort of firepower but now that you know KD is out Cousins has come back from this uh I I believe it was a quad tear that kept him out of pretty much uh, all of round one, except for one game, and then rounds two, and then the round two, and then the conference finals uh, kept him out of that. And then all of a sudden, he's coming back and being shoved into an NBA finals 
where he's only played one playoff game in his entire career, so he has no idea what to expect. And the games, and he has to catch up to like you know NBA NBA Finals game speed right away. That's a really really tough adjustment for him. And on top of that, you have the injuries that have happened in Game Two uh, just today. So the injuries that have happened is uh, uh, apparently Kevon Looney has a bruised clavicle, and he was ruled out of Game Two almost right away. And uh, his status for Game Three is yet to be known. But I I think it, I mean I think he's questionable for Game Three, very very questionable. Uh, and uh, Clay Thompson. He uh, pulled a hamstring in in game two, uh, late in game two, g- trying to draw a foul on a three. He tried to play on it, but he couldn't play on. He could not play on it anymore, and he was pretty much limping, uh, limping to the locker room, and then he limped to the press conference and then lim- limped to the bus. He did say that he was going to play in game three. Now, given the way that he was limping. You're you're never sure about that type of thing, but you know medical staff. The fact that it's the NBA Finals, they're they're gonna try and do everything they can to get Clay Thompson ready for Game Three. Whether or not he will be 100% effective, though, is yet to be seen. And the Warriors definitely definitely need to be need him to be as close to 100% as possible because they just don't have much firepower, Vikram. And it's really tough to see those bench lineups in the middle in the beginning of the second quarter because you just don't know what you're gonna get from them. 100% true. You have no clue. Zero idea. I mean, those bench lineups are, are brutal. I mean, to be honest, I'm really shocked that the Raptors were... Uh, I mean, they, they actually did a pretty good job of taking advantage of them in, uh, in the first half of this game. But, I mean, overall, the idea that you, the lineups the Warriors are putting on the floor, where it's just Curry or just Thompson... I mean, the Raptors should be shutting this down. I got to give the Raptors a lot of credit. They're making the game really hard for the Warriors. That's for sure. And I've been really impressed with uh, their effort on defense. But overall, I'm a little disappointed that they haven't taken advantage of the Warriors more, which is really strange to say. But I don't think that they've you know fully taken advantage of what the Warriors are doing. So I think that's the biggest. I think that's your biggest observation overall. Uh, on the injury front. I have no idea whether or not Clay Thompson is going to be able to play or not. Like I, it looked bad, but he looked like he was moving pretty well. But I don't know if he was just grinning and bearing it. And I don't know at what level, uh, what percentage he's going to be able to play at in the next game. So that's something we have to watch for sure. Uh, I think the Warriors got found money on Demarcus Cousins. You know, you yeah. mentioned about you know you mentioned how you know this is his, his second game back. He hasn't played in forty five days. He torn that quad tendon, all that kind of stuff. He absolutely killed it in this game without a doubt that was incredibly impressive I have no idea you know his his passing was amazing uh his hands on defense were great he was in the right place getting rebounds boxing out I think that was all very very useful and the biggest thing is he gives them a place to go uh, during some of these like painful lineups where you're just not getting creation from your other players because you only have Steph and Clay at any uh, on any of these like second unit lineups or at the end of the first where they typically take clay off and I uh, just play Draymond and Curry along with, you know, three other players. And I, I don't say that to mean any disrespect to the rest of the Warriors roster, but they're playing like Quinn Cook big minutes and Alfonso McKinney big minutes, uh, unearthing Andrew Bogut off the bench and getting three alley-oops out of him. Like Jonas Jo Yeah, I mean, you're, you're really talking about players who, you know, 
if you listen to a lot of other NBA playoff or NBA podcasts, they were like, oh, these players can't play. They're they're not going to be in the you know in the playoffs. And uh, what do you observe that they are absolutely in the playoffs? You know what I mean? They're they're absolutely in the playoffs and uh, playing sporadically well. I I, I might add, right? And Cook, it, man. Yeah, Quinn, Quinn, Quinn Cook, Cook was amazing right? today. He wasn't. He was not amazing in game one and. That's the thing with the Warriors, right? It's it's basically going to be dependent on how the beginnings of the second and fourth quarters go. How bad do they go, right? And um, if the Raptors can take advantage of, of those lineups and, and dominate, because they should. Their bench is so much better than the Warriors. Like, it's not even close, right? And those first six minutes of the second quarter when Steph is on the bench, that is really... And you, you hit the nail on the head when you said that the Raptors absolutely need to take advantage of, of that time to really lengthen the like lengthen the leads and stuff and they did do that in game i mean in game 2 in the second quarter they did do that they were able to build a double digit lead and uh, it felt like the warriors were about to lose the game quite frankly in the second quarter when none of their shots were going in and everything everything seemed to go in for the raptors but then somehow some way Steph hits a couple of threes clay thompson adds a three all of a sudden the warriors are down 5 going into halftime and what happens then the warriors start to get confident and they start to play defense in the third quarter and the warriors they're a third quarter team like it, it's been proven over time they're one of the best third quarter teams over the past 5 years and the Raptors got the brunt of that in Game 2. Um, what happened in Game 1, really, was that like, the Raptors' first-half defense was very suffocating in, in Game 1. Uh, so much so that even though the lead was at like 10 or 12, it really felt like the lead was at 20. And I thought that the same sort of thing was going to happen in Game 2, but it, it was not so. Well, I think, I think the really big thing that happened in this game uh, was that the difference in the third quarter was how Golden State was playing defensively on the Raptors, you know, really making things just more difficult for them. I don't know that there was any one specific schematic change that they made, but they were able to to make shots a little harder, to get in the passing lanes, to make players uncomfortable. Uh, I think all of that really led to that 18-zip run. And, I mean, as as the Raptors, you can't give that up because you know the Warriors live for that. And so overall, I think that was just that that's where the game ended to me was that 18 zip run. I mean, if you give that up at the, you know, this is the NBA finals. You can't be giving up 18 zip runs. <laughs> I, I don't know what else to say, right? Like, yeah, you're 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 right on the money with that. So, I mean, continue. Yeah, I, I found what the Raptors did really well in the first half. Uh, was mucking up the game and making the Warriors go to some weird types of shots and actions. They, you know, Van Vliet is a fantastic defender on on uh, Steph Curry. He's almost and, he's almost Matthew Delvadova like, right? Except he's better. Except he's better. <laughs> like he's actually really an offensive threat. Uh, you know, Delvadova on his on his best day is not nearly as good as uh, Van Vliet is, and so. I think that that's made it uh, made stuff hard for Steph. I will say the main thing I'm worried about for the Warriors is you know I, we I know we talked about Clay Thompson earlier, but in particular here where his role for this team, uh, particularly in the first quarter where he was like the only guy who was getting stuff to work, uh, you know I think that's going to be really it, it's going to be a bad day if they cannot uh, if he can't go for the next game and Kevin Durant is out, so you know we'll have to see but it could have some some bad consequences for them there. 
because and absolutely because what other offensive option could the Warriors possibly bring bring off the bench to replace there, Clay? That would there is that that would do at least like half well, right? Nothing. No, there, no, there is, your your answer is you're gonna end up posting up to Marcus Cousins. I mean, like, so one of the things I think they should try to do from uh, from an action perspective is I think they should really consider uh, taking Demarcus and when he's setting the pick, try to get a mismatch for him to take a smaller player into the post. I think that might be an action and use Steph Curry and some of those screening actions to do that, to to force that mismatch so that Demarcus Cousins has like a small that he can just abuse in the paint or, you know, that'll cause a double team that'll have somebody else open. Because one thing that the Warriors have done and shown, especially the role players, is their ability to hit open shots. Like if you leave them wide open, they're they're gonna hit. Especially Quinn Cook. Especially like Andre Iguodala tonight was fantastic. La- or uh, game one, not so much. But you know, I think I think you can get reliable shooting if you get them wide open. And I think some actions for Demarcus Cousins, especially if Clay Thompson can't play, are gonna be really crucial uh, in the next game. Yeah, so I the reason why I thought De- DeMarcus Cousins was starting in game 2 was because in game 1 the the Raptors trapped Steph a lot. And and Steph was missing out on those easy out, uh, easy escape passes, right? Usually those those passes go to Draymond and Draymond's able to create a little 4 on 3. But those easy outlets were, I mean, those easy outlets were missing because they were guarding Draymond as well. And I thought that DeMarcus Cousins was in the game so that like, you know, they can run a little pick and pop get him get him a get him a three or you know if they if they try and be over over aggressive on the trap or if they switch on the trap rather um have demarcus cousins go on go on a smaller smaller guy but i never ever thought that he would play more than 20 minutes in this game like yeah i I mean it's insane that he even even played more than 15 he shouldn't have given his injury situation and everything and yes he did and he was brilliant yeah bruised clavicle caused that like that's for sure yes kevon looney yeah, that too. Like the Kavon Looney injury is, is bigger than we are uh, making it out to be. It's, so it, I'm not sure about that. I mean, as as important as Kavon Looney is, just centers, as a rotation piece, a, a rotations piece, right? Because well, now, so they don't play like that though, right? Neither Ibaka. So this isn't really a pick and roll team. They're not right. Like, they're not. At times, Kawhi Leonard will abuse you on the pick and roll, but this is not a pick and roll team. So I don't think what Kavon Looney brings to the table is as valuable in this series, uh, particularly because you can actually play DeMarcus Cousins and he's not going to get you know pick and roll to death on the court. Uh, you saw Andrew Bogut get spot uh, spot minutes. Jordan Bell can play a few minutes for you. I think the the one position where they could afford an injury to a degree was the center spot. Hmm. So that's an interesting take. I, I just think yeah. that that's I mean they have they're they're what like their fourth fifth sixth and seventh best players are all centers basically (laughs) like when you think about it yeah i mean you might be right you might be right especially like look man when alfonso mckinney airballed that three in the second quarter i I thought it was over it was like like, this game's over man that can't happen I thought they were going to lose the game so bad. I I don't even I can't even express how much I was like they're about to shit the bed right now. This is going to be awful. Yeah, and they're about to go down two nothing, and they might need KD to come back for game three. 
Otherwise, you know, they're in trouble. They're they're in a little bit of trouble. I mean, but like, hey, the the Raptors were able to come back from a two nothing deficit to win four two. So I guess the that's Warriors what I was I was gonna thing. wait for the takes right like after they lost. I I first of all, full disclosure, I fully expected them to lose this game. Who like who, I, who to lose the Warriors? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I thought the Warriors were gonna lose this game. I I totally agree. I thought I mean I thought that they they had a shot if they played well, right? But. Uh, after like okay, the first quarter, they had they they were in the game, but they had a couple of silly turnovers here and there. I thought they had to dominate the first quarter, and they didn't quite do that because I knew that the beginning of the second quarter was going to be a disaster, and it was more of a it was like more than a disaster. It was sort of a debacle in a way. It was amazing to see. Look at the scoreboard. Oh my god, they're only down five. It feels like twenty. <laughs> it, yeah, it literally felt like they were down twenty, yet they're only down five. And you know, you know when that happens, like yeah, I mean. Then the I Warriors, was, then you're, you leave yourself susceptible to the Warriors' third quarter run. Yeah, I thought this game was over, dude. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, I was encouraged at the end of the half to see what the Warriors had done. But honestly, it felt so frenetic. I just wasn't sure that it was sustainable in the third quarter. And, you know, boy, did the Warriors prove me wrong. I mean, it's funny because I think this series is an example of one where the Warriors— I don't think the Toronto Raptors really are going to change much game to game in their in their series of adjustments. Like they do a lot of cool stuff, but by and large their plan doesn't change. I think the game is going to be won or lost by the Warriors in particular. Hmm. And in this game you saw kind of the beautiful game come back for the Warriors where a lot of their ball movement was happening. They were sharp on their cuts. Uh, Draymond was really effective, and I think that's one. That's probably where we need to go next is uh, how effective Draymond Green was uh, in this game in particular. Uh, I think his ability to pass the ball. So with Cousins, Bogut, and Draymond on the floor, you have a lot of passing. And even though none of those guys, uh, with the exception of Cousins, is, is going to kill you offensively, I think their ability to keep the ball moving, to get these role players open shots was particularly valuable tonight. And I think Charles Barkley had a comment after the post game. Uh, this series, Barkley, about, Charles Barkley had a good comment. Yeah, he did. I, I think this is true. Okay. He's like, this series is going to be about which bench shows up night to night. And I think that's very, very true. Uh, if the Warriors bench shows up, it's going to be really rough for the Raptors because they get so much offense from their, uh, you know, from their star players and Curry and Thompson right now and if kd can come back that would help them tremendously yeah and uh so we i want to go back to that third quarter for a second because uh we all you know we always talk about the warriors and their third quarter runs but this was an 18 nothing run this was this was both ways for for both uh, it was how good the warriors could be and how bad the raptors could be as well so what what was going on with the raptors in the beginning of the third quarter they just seemed a little flat what do you think i i mean I don't know. It just seemed like the shots that were going in in the first half were not going in in the second half because it it didn't really feel like the Warriors had a had a different defensive mentality. If that makes sense, it just felt like the Raptors let the game get away from them. So I think the Warriors were more intense on defense and they were in the lanes and making and mucking things up. I feel like they gave the Raptors a little taste of their own medicine to a degree. I, I, I mean, I think that Demarcus Cousins definitely stepped it up on defense in the third quarter, and that I mean, I mean, that definitely made a difference. And Pascal yeah. Siakam. Uh, so when Draymond Green was defending Pascal Siakam in the uh, today, he only had two. He only had two points when Draymond Green was defending him. So yeah, I think that Draymond Green took that a little personally after the last game. Yeah. 
So and uh, played great. Can't say you can't say more than that, right? Like Draymond Green played so exceptionally well on both sides of the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think in this series he'll be the linchpin. Uh, I think the Warriors ride and die with him. And I mean, you got to understand for the Warriors, right? Steph Curry's not always going to start the game hot, but he finds a way to keep himself involved and keep the rest of rest of his team involved too. Uh, I thought he he attracts so much attention. Even he, the last he sets day. a couple of great back oh, yeah. screens. His brush screens are amazing. Yeah. Like his ability to play in a team offense is remarkable. Uh, I found that to be you know one of the the his best attributes as a basketball player is his ability to set screens. So I mean, yeah. Overall, I think this is going to be a very 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 exciting series. Uh, it actually is almost made more exciting with the injuries. Because I'm not sure how close it would be if KD was in. I mean, if the if both teams are totally healthy. Right. And uh, speaking of, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going to go off on segues a little bit here. So speaking of Pascal Siakam, I just brought him up uh, a couple of seconds ago. He had a game one to remember, right? A, ga- a game one of legends. And uh, that's, that's sort of when the media storm started around him. They started going over his uh, his story from Cameroon, how he almost became a priest, and everything, and uh, how he had to be like how he was with basketball without borders with Luke Richard Babahamute in Cameroon, and how he somehow ended up at God's Academy in the United States, uh, went to New Mexico State, was drafted late in the first round by the Raptors, and all of a sudden become turns from this. Hustle guy, really. He 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 was basically a hustle guy a, a couple of years ago to now a star player for the Raptors. So talk to me about like Pascal Siakam's game one performance. Dude, Pascal Siakam's game one performance was uh, otherworldly. I think the biggest thing out of that that was very crazy was he hit two above the break threes. Pascal Siakam is not that great. Uh, he's not a great three-point shooter, to be honest. From anywhere, but I, I've seen him in in the Raptors' offense make more corner threes. The two above the break threes that he made were absolute backbreakers for the Warriors. Like both times, I was like, "This if Pascal Siakam is going to hit that shot consistently through the finals, the Raptors are going to win this, no problem." Uh, beyond the fact that he is so adept at finishing, and his post moves are excellent, I think that was a contributing factor to his excellent shooting. The other thing in game one that was particularly impressive was he had a couple shots where he just threw it up and, and that stuff, that, that went in. I have no idea how. The but basketball gods. The basketball yeah, gods had basketball their say. gods bless Pascal Siakam and I'm happy he's in the NBA and it's a, it is a testament to how basketball without borders and the other types of outreach that the NBA does is producing quality players. So I'm really happy that his story is really remarkable. I'm very happy for him. But I got to say like – this is this is amazing what happened in that game. So it, it, I, it was definitely otherworldly uh, as you as, as, as you described it. Uh, the thing, uh, yeah, the, the, I mean, the thing with Pascal Siakam is that he's a, he's able to contort his body in many different ways. And, and this helps him not only on the dribble drives, but on the post ups as well. In, in fact, he had one really neat post up on Clay Thompson where he like Clay Thompson is basically bodying him. Usually when that happens, the the player on the offensive end is forced to take like a hard fadeaway. 
but uh, Pascal Siakam was able to like to like maybe do a little spin move, and right there he's at the rim. Uh, and I know that like the Warriors should have brought help and everything, but just 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 watching that move, it was like, wow, who who is this guy? Right? <laughs> he, I mean, he's an I amazing think a, player. A lot of players have gone away from the post game, but I thought what he did there was was fantastic. And most, I think, like the biggest thing there was like he was very very easily able to get to his spot. And I mean, I think it was Jeff Van Gundy who was basically like, you got to send a second defender there. Yeah, he like, did. Yeah, I know how good. Clay Thompson is, but Pascal Siakam's like six ten, and a power forward, and Clay Thompson's like six seven. You know, as good of a defender and as strong as Clay Thompson is, that's still a little bit of a mismatch, right? Like he does do that pretty often. He is a post player in a way. Like he's got great moves. Like you can't just let single coverage there go, especially after he comes into the lane, makes his first move, and there's no help. Like that's ridiculous. So. But but he did. I mean, it was it was a fantastic move. He had another excellent step through post move in the first game against Draymond Green. Although that was also due to Draymond being in foul trouble. But overall, Pascal Siakam is is a revelation this year. Uh, the other thing we should really talk about for the Raptors is probably Kawhi Leonard, who I don't know. He's he's amazing. He's so strong. He is making. He like, is very strong. He didn't have the greatest game one, uh, to be to be frank, from a statistical standpoint. For, yeah, for, that's true. For what the Raptors, it just goes to show how much the Raptors got from got from their role players in Game One. We'll get get into that uh, as we go on in this podcast. But Game Two, he had a pretty he had a pretty good Game Two, and he was he was drawing fouls. He he was doing Kawhi Leonard things, and uh, I think I I do not know who said it, but somebody said that Kawhi Leonard is the closest thing we've ever seen to Jordan. Do you agree? I mean, hmm. it's 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 hard for me to say because there's a generation gap with me. I started following basketball right at the end of Jordan's career. It's really hard for me to compare anybody with Jordan. But, I mean, and it's it's interesting because Kawhi Leonard does it on the defensive end as well, and Jordan did as well. Like he, There was one year where he won Defensive Player of the Year and MVP in the same year, and you could probably see Kawhi Leonard doing that at some point. The the offensive weapon that Kawhi Leonard has become is just is just amazing. You can never imagine him being this good on offense when he was in San Antonio. But but hey, I mean that just goes to show how much he's worked on worked on his game. Uh, but uh, yeah, do you think Kawhi Leonard is the closest thing we've seen to Jordan? So I hesitate a little bit with that. Uh, so the main reason I really hesitate with this is I think the era is so completely different. And I, I'm not even sure – I think the skill set in, in a lot of ways is similar. I think Jordan was was by far the better athlete of the two as well, which is kind of scary to say because Kawhi Leonard is, is an amazing athlete. Uh, I don't think he's quite as explosive as, as Jordan. And injuries well, have something to do with that, I guess. Yeah, that's definitely true. Uh, I think positionally – they're obviously different. I think Jordan carried more of the offensive load overall, although I don't think Kawhi Leonard has a Scottie Pippen, so to speak, so it certainly makes it a little bit harder. I think, you know, it's it's tough to say. I think he is the closest thing to Jordan we have in the league right now. That's for sure. Uh, one thing, you know, it, it's tough. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't disagree with the comparison. I'll put it that way. I don't think that it's, it's a terrible comparison. I just think the era is so different. Like, I can't even imagine what Jordan would do now, uh, especially because you would probably put more emphasis in in developing a three-point jump shot. 
So things uh, like that, yeah, I think absolutely. those it's, it, again, like uh, I think I brought, I think, yeah, you brought this up very, very well. It's very difficult to compare eras. And uh, when you, when you do so, you got to be a little careful, but I, I see where people are coming from. With, no, absolutely. Uh, the uh, absolutely. general skill set. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think that's totally true. I, I think the, the general skill set is certainly there and he's been, you know, it, it's, it is impressive what has happened. It really is. I, I've been so impressed with what Kawhi Leonard has done throughout the playoffs and in this series, too. He had a wonderful game tonight. Uh, it just wasn't enough tonight. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I just I just want a, a second to talk about um, the Toronto Raptors role players. So uh, they, they, came to pl- they came to play in game one, especially. Uh, uh, Marcus All had a great game one, even though he fouled out. He, I think he ended up with 20 points or something. Which is which is great for for a guy like him in that lineup. Fred Van Vliet came off the bench and gave them great minutes, not only defensively but offensively as well, hitting open threes and uh, providing great defense on Steph. Um, Danny Green hit a couple of threes, which he's he's really been missing in these playoffs, uh, especially in rounds uh, round two and in the conference finals. He's he sort of went missing, but he came back temporarily for game one at least and uh, had a great performance. Uh, Tell me about the Raptors and their role players and what they're going to have to do in order to win this series. So they got to show up and they have to beat the Warriors when they're when they're playing either the only Steph Curry or the only Klay Thompson lineups. Like if you're the Raptors role players, you have to and the Raptors in general broadly, when those lineups are on the floor, you have to punish them. And I thought that's what was really missing was the that when you're playing like Norm Powell, you gotta beast Quinn Cook. Like you gotta take him, and you, you gotta be able to beast Quinn Cook. Like you, you gotta be able to take advantage of Jarebko. I mean, Alfonso McKinney on Kawhi Leonard is not a good matchup. I'm I'm not sure why they're not exploiting that more. So I mean, I to mean, me, Kawhi, Kawhi's drawing fouls, and that's I guess that's pretty much all you can do. Uh, but yeah, continue. No, I. It's it's tough for me to say one way or the other. But in terms of the actual role players for uh, for Toronto, I think Ibaka's got to do more. I think Norm Powell has really got to give them more. Uh, I mean, those two in particular, I think didn't they're they're obviously not like the only the sole blame for their loss, but I think those two need to do more, and they have to be able to take uh, take advantage of the Warriors' weak bench effectively. And then Van Vliet, I think Van Vliet is doing what he's got to do in terms of the role players. Like, he is absolutely doing what he's got to do. I don't know what else you could possibly ask of, of Van Vliet. He's giving you great offense, and he's trying to lock up Steph Curry every single possession. So I don't, I don't know what more you can do there. I mean, he played 38 minutes tonight. And let's be honest, that's because Kyle Lowry fouled out of the game. He was in foul trouble the entire time. And he was a, a team-leading minus 17. So that's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing I, I do want to mention is, although I talk, I, I say Norm Powell has to do more, while he was on the floor, they were plus 13. And if you look at the bench numbers, everybody that they played off the bench was a positive. And let's let's understand, they're only playing eight, they're going eight deep. They're playing Van Vliet, Ibaka, and Powell off the bench, and that's it. Uh, whereas the Warriors, uh, they went like, let me see here, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven deep. They went in the 11 end- deep. Finals in the finals. 
This and, is ridiculous, man. And, and and part of that is because they had to. I I don't think Bogut would have played in this game if Looney hadn't gotten hurt. Yeah, but, but he was incredibly productive. But, but but still, then you're. I mean, now you're talking like ten deep, which is still amazing. Like, mm-hmm. and um, I mean, it all started in the in the in the Rocket series when when KD went down. Right, that's when Kerr started to tar- to trust the bench more, and uh, it paid dividends in the in the in the Blazer series. Now, I mean, this this just goes to show that like the Blazers are not even close to the same level as the Raptors, and the Warriors figured that out in Game One. That they, I mean, this is a different kind of competition that they have to face, and they have to up their game a little bit, and they they did so at least in the third quarter in game in game two, and that was enough for them to win. Now going forward, so the Warriors are going to play the next two games at Oracle Arena. Is KD going to come back game four? Is Clay going to be as close to 100% in Game Three as he can? Is, is Kevon Looney coming back? Like, what's what's what what is going to happen to the Warriors' injury situation? That that's what's going to decide this series. Um, so so what do you think about about that? And what do you think about the Warriors' chances at chances at home? I mean, I think the Warriors have a better chance at home because of the whole uh, because the whole situation with role players playing better at home typically. I think that's actually the biggest uh, the biggest takeaway. Like, if they win, it's because their bench shows up. I think we roughly know what we're going to get out of, on average, what we're going to get out of, like, Steph and Clay on a given night. Uh, the health issue obviously looms large. Uh, have they officially ruled KD out for Game 3? Uh, no, they ha- I, I don't think they have. But he has not practiced yet, and that's a problem. I mean, he's got three days, man. I mean, if he can practice... Day after tomorrow, maybe he gets in the game. I think, honestly, if Clay's not playing, they need KD out there just to take up space, man. Yeah, yeah, like, I, I actually agree with that. Like, what happened when Clay went out was they the Warriors played Quinn Cook, Steph Curry, and Sean Livingston as the one, two, and three. Okay, now this is possible and doable because the Toronto Raptors are playing. Uh, are playing Van Vliet and Lowry as their backcourt. So, I mean, and Danny Green is not exactly like posting somebody up. So, I mean, you know, it's kind of interesting. Like these these rotations and lineups are absolutely absurd to me. Like if you had told me I would ever see the threesome of Curry, Cook, and Livingston as your one, two, and three for an extended period of time, I would have laughed at you, right? So right. I think that's I think if they're if they're gonna have to do that for an entire game, it's gonna get really bad really fast. I I, I agree with you, and I thought, you know, listen, I thought that fourth quarter was going to get really bad very fast for the Warriors. Quite frankly, I thought okay, I thought they built this cushion in the in the fourth quarter. Is it going to be enough? And uh, thank God for them, it was enough. It was only enough for them because the Raptors were missing open shots, though. They were, and I think I think in the last three minutes. Uh, there was only one, uh, two field goals made, or something really crazy like that. Yeah, oh, sorry, sorry, there were only three field goals made, and two of them were from the Raptors, and one of them was from the Warriors, and that Warriors one was the Andre Iguodala three. Yeah, but by the way, what did what did you think of that three? I thought when he shot, I was like, please, I mean, no, 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 yes. <laughs> this yeah, is, I. Uh... I, I mean, thought I, I thought he was going to like wait for the shot clock to wind down and then shoot like a really high arcing three somehow goes off the rim and just like wind down the clock. I don't know, dude. I got no idea what he was thinking except shooters got to shoot. I guess. 
not even shooters, but I, I, on, I have no idea, dude. Like, I don't even have like a. Like Andre has has this knack of hitting clutch shots. He's he he, he has, he, he has he, a, a. Yeah, I'm sorry. Continue. Sorry. No, 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 I, I, no I, I was I was just gonna say like for for a shooter as bad as he is, he hits clutch shots like no, I've never seen this before. <laughs> I mean, he does a lot of clutch things yeah. in general. Yeah, I mean, he, he's a clutch player. Bottom line, right? Like he, he's a, he's a 16 game player. That's what he calls himself. Dude, him and, and Draymond both apparently. And, I mean, and, and that's pre- that's pretty much what the Warriors need, right? It's like, I mean, we, we we talk about the regular season a lot, and we we evaluated Draymond and Andre Iguodala over the course of the regular season, and obviously Draymond had that weight issue. He, he's come down, and uh, and his play has showed. But you know, like a guy like Andre Iguodala, he he coasts during the regular season, whether you like it or not, and it's because he wants to be ready for the playoffs. And, Yo, how- he, and and he really is, and and the Warriors are just all about winning championships now, and they're all about winning the championship this year, because nobody knows what's going to happen next year. Is Sean Livingston going to retire? Where's KD going to go? Is Andre Iguodala considering retirement? Like if Andre Iguodala is considering reti- retirement, I get, I get, I mean, I I do not know how the Warriors could compete for a championship. Oh yeah, uh, by yeah. the way. To all of our listeners, you should absolutely read the uh, the Bleacher Report article on Andre Iguodala and how he feels about uh, the NBA Finals and his lack of enjoyment about some of this stuff. Now, I thought it was a really uh, really fascinating look at uh, what it what you have to go through year to year to be a, an NBA champion. So, just recommend people take a look at that. I, I found it really interesting. That's interesting. That's just, I will take a look. But yeah, yeah. It's, it's really interesting. I, I highly recommend it. Yeah. Uh, at least I, I got a lot out of it. So for what that's worth. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, I I hesitate to say that the warrior like I feel like the warriors have the edge in this series because I don't under I don't know the injury situation, but these guys are going down like flies, man. Like they really are. I mean, your starting lineup in the NBA finals is is next game is going to be what? Uh Steph Curry, Quinn Cook, Alfonso McKinney, or uh, Andre Iguodala, Draymond Green, and Demarcus Cousins, and you're coming off the bench with uh, Andrew Bogut and uh, Sean Livingston and Alfonso McKinney. Dude, that lineup—I don't know what the hell they were going to do. They're going to do at the beginning of the second quarter, man. I don't know, dude. I, I, at at some point, you just have to look up to the sky and pray. Really, like. <laughs> <laughs> the beginning of the second quarter lineup is just so bad. I thought we were going to get a Jacob Evans Jacob Evans sighting today. I, I, uh, I, I just to I like, don't know. I don't know. The main reason I say that is because you're not like what. So the problem with Jacob Evans is like what is he? Who is he going to really defend? Right? Like he can't really defend Kawhi. Uh, so at that point, what are you really accomplishing by putting him out on the floor? That's. I mean that that is true. That is that. Is and true. so I'd rather have Quinn Cook, right? Because nobody's like Van Vliet and Lowry aren't really going to abuse Quinn Cook in the way Kawhi Leonard will abuse Jacob Evans. And uh, I, I will say one thing about Alfonso McKinney: whatever he lacks on the offensive end, he makes up for it, it, it to some extent with hustle and defensive rebounding. Dude, he works his ass off. 
absolutely works his ass off. So can't take that away from him either. Absolutely. And uh, uh, with, with that, uh, we will wrap up this episode. So, I mean, like, like Vikram, you, you got anything uh, else to add? Like, well, what's your what's your prediction for the rest of the series? I mean, I mean, I'm like, I, I, I think I already asked you this, but God, I, I'm really feeling, especially because of the split. I mean, I don't really know, especially because the health thing. But with the split, I think my my money would be Warriors and six. Yeah, I, I felt that they uh, the Warriors had to split. If the yes. Warriors didn't split, they would be in trouble. But they did split. Now, what does this mean? You're, I mean, you're going back to Oracle Arena. The Raptors have, uh, like, the Raptors on the road in the playoffs. They've been, uh, they've been fifty fifty. They, I mean, they, I mean, we both seen the good Raptors and the bad Raptors on the road. Yeah, there's there's no clear pattern there, so to speak. It's just like how is Kawhi Leonard going to show up? Because on the road, your star player players have to show up. I mean, it's it's not uh, you cannot expect your role guy role guys to show up on the road on the road. And if they do, then uh, the Raptors definitely have the edge there. But yeah, it's it's going to go game by game. And it's it's a, very much a game by game evaluation of how these players play. It's very hard to tell who has the edge. I I totally agree. Yeah, I, I'm struggling, dude. I really am. Because I thought, see, uh, when the Warriors had that 10-day layoff between the conference finals and the NBA finals, I thought KD was going to be back. And that didn't happen. And now it's an enigma as to whether he's going to come back. And now Clay is hurt. And Andre got hurt in game one. I was more nervous about that than anything else. But he was he ended up coming back for game two, playing playing well. Didn't have any ill effects from that injury i don't think so but uh but yeah that's where the warriors are at it says like where where are you with these injuries you need depth i mean you gotta got something man you know it's it's getting bad it's it's, getting really 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 bad if the warriors win the championship this year will this be like the best championship of this entire run oh I would probably say so. I think it's, uh, I think it's the idea that they're like the, I think right now the odds are really stacked against them. And so I'm really impressed with what they've been able to do because the, I feel like the odds have been stacked against them. So in that sense, and I do think this is the least overall talented team that they've gone into the playoffs with. So, yeah, I think this would be a really major accomplishment for them, particularly because of the adversity they faced in terms of uh, the injury situation throughout the playoffs, right? Not yeah, just Yeah, throughout throughout the playoffs. Especially yeah. especially starting with the Rocket series, winning being able to win a couple of a couple of key games without KD. That that yeah, that, 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 that was that was one of the one of the pinnacles and this would just pretty much add to that, add to that legacy that they created. So, uh, yeah, with that, we want to we want to close out this episode. I just want to remind our listeners to uh, subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts and Google Play, and uh, really get, give us a listen and send questions. Uh, we we want to record every week, uh, but I mean we do have scheduling conflicts, and it's very hard for us to record uh, during the week because we're just we're just really busy with our with our lives right now. And uh, but uh, but we're, we're still watching the games, and we still want to have that sort of discussion with you, right, Vikram? Absolutely. Uh, it's a lot of fun. We're really looking forward to the next games. I mean, it's going to be a heck of a series. For sure. 
Every every game is important. Every game is going to be close. Every game is crucial. And uh, with that, we will close out this episode. So for Vikram, I'm Guru. We will talk to you guys soon.